What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Chapter 9 of The Sign of the Four by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9. A Break in the Chain. It was late in the afternoon before I woke, strengthened and refreshed. Sherlock Holmes still sat exactly as I had left him, save that he had laid aside his violin and was deep in a book. He looked across at me as I stirred, and I noticed that his face was dark and troubled. "'You have slept soundly,' he said. "'I feared that our talk would wake you.' "'I heard nothing,' I answered. "'Have you had fresh news, then?' "'Unfortunately, no. I confess that I am surprised and disappointed.' i expected something definite by this time wiggins has just been up to report he says that no trace can be found of the launch it is a provoking check for every hour is of importance can i do anything i am perfectly fresh now and quite ready for another night's outing no we can do nothing we can only wait if we go ourselves the message might come in our absence and delay be caused you can do what you will but i must remain on guard then i shall run over to camberwell and call upon mrs cecil forrester she asked me to yesterday on mrs cecil forrester asked holmes with the twinkle of a smile in his eyes well of course miss morstan too they were anxious to hear what happened i would not tell them too much said holmes women are never to be entirely trusted not the best of them i did not pause to argue over this atrocious sentiment I shall be back in an hour or two i remarked all right good luck but i say if you are crossing the river you may as well return toby for i don't think it is at all likely that we shall have any use for him now i took our mongrel accordingly and left him together with a half sovereign at the old naturalists in pinchin lane at camberwell i found miss morstan a little weary after her night's adventures but very eager to hear the news mrs forrester too was full of curiosity i told them all that we had done suppressing however the more dreadful parts of the tragedy thus although i spoke of mr sholto's death 
I said nothing of the exact manner and method of it. With all my omissions, however, there was enough to startle and amaze them. "'It is a romance,' cried Mrs. Forrester. "'An injured lady, half a million in treasure, a black cannibal and a wooden-legged ruffian. They take the place of the conventional dragon or wicked earl.' "'And two knight-errants to the rescue,' added Miss Morstan, with a bright glance at me. "'Why, Mary, your fortune depends upon the issue of this search. I don't think that you are nearly excited enough. Just imagine what it must be to be so rich and to have the world at your feet.' It sent a little thrill of joy to my heart to notice that she showed no sign of elation at the prospect. On the contrary, she gave a toss of her proud head, as though the matter were one in which she took small interest. "'It is for Mr. Thaddeus Sholto that I am anxious,' she said. "'Nothing else is of any consequence, but I think that he has behaved most kindly and honourably throughout. It is our duty to clear him of this dreadful and unfounded charge.' It was evening before I left Camberwell, and quite dark by the time I reached home. My companion's book and pipe lay by his chair, but he had disappeared. I looked about in the hope of seeing a note, but there was none. "'I suppose that Mr. Sherlock Holmes has gone out,' I said to Mrs. Hudson as she came up to lower the blinds. "'No, sir. He's gone to his room, sir. Do you know, sir?' sinking her voice into an impressive whisper. "'I'm afraid for his health.' why so mrs hudson well he's that strange sir after he was gone he walked and he walked up and down and up and down until i was weary of the sound of his footstep then i heard him talking to himself and muttering and every time the bell rang out he came on the stairhead with what is that mrs hudson and now he's slammed off to his room but i can hear him walking away the same as ever i hope he's not going to be ill sir I ventured to say something to him about cooling medicine, but he turned on me, sir, with such a look that I don't know however I got out of the room. "'I don't think that you have any cause to be uneasy, Mrs. Hudson,' I answered. "'I've seen him like this before. He has some small matter upon his mind which makes him restless.' I tried to speak lightly to our worthy landlady, but I was myself somewhat uneasy, when through the long night I still from time to time heard the dull sound of his tread and knew how his keen spirit was chafing against this involuntary inaction at breakfast time he looked worn and haggard with a little fleck of feverish colour upon either cheek you're knocking yourself up old man i remarked i heard you marching about in the night no i could not sleep he answered this infernal problem is consuming me it is too much to be balked by so petty an obstacle when all else had been overcome i know the men the launch everything and yet i can get no news i have set other agencies at work and used every means at my disposal the whole river has been searched on either side but there is no news nor has mrs smith heard of her husband i shall come to the conclusion soon that they have scuttled craft but there are objections to that or that mrs smith has put us on a wrong scent no i think that may be dismissed i had inquiries made and there is a launch of that description could it have gone up the river i have considered that possibility too and there is a search party who will work up as far as richmond if no news comes to-day 
I shall start off myself tomorrow and go for the men rather than the boat. But surely, surely we shall hear something. We did not, however. Not a word came to us either from Wiggins or from the other agencies. There were articles in most of the papers upon the Norwood tragedy. They all appeared to be rather hostile to the unfortunate Thaddeus Sholto. No fresh details were to be found, however, in any of them, save that an inquest was to be held upon the following day. I walked over to Camberwell in the evening to report our ill success to the ladies, and on my return I found Holmes dejected and somewhat morose. He would hardly reply to my questions, and busied himself all evening in an abstruse chemical analysis which involved much heating of retorts and distilling of vapours, ending at last in a smell which fairly drove me out of the apartment. Up to the small hours of the morning I could hear the clinking of his test-tubes, which told me that he was still engaged in his malodorous experiment. In the early dawn I woke with a start and was surprised to find him standing by my bedside, clad in a rude sailor dress with a pea-jacket and a coarse red scarf round his neck. "'I am off down the river, Watson,' said he. "'I have been turning it over in my mind, and I can see only one way out of it. It is worth trying at all events.' "'Surely I can come with you, then,' said I. "'No.' you can be much more useful if you'll remain here as my representative i am loath to go for it is quite on the cards that some message may come during the day though wiggins was despondent about it last night i want you to open all notes and telegrams and to act on your own judgment if any news should come can i rely upon you most certainly i am afraid that you will not be able to wire to me for i can hardly tell yet where i may find myself if i am in luck however i may not be gone so very long i shall have news of some sort or other before i get back i had heard nothing of him by breakfast time on opening the standard however i found that there was a fresh allusion to the business with reference to the upper norwood tragedy it remarked we have reason to believe that the matter promises to be even more complex and mysterious than was originally supposed fresh evidence has shown that it is quite impossible that mr thaddeus sholto could have been in any way concerned in the matter he and the housekeeper mrs burnstone were both released yesterday evening it is believed however that the police have a clue as to the real culprits and that it is being prosecuted by mr athelney jones of scotland yard with all his well-known energy and sagacity further arrests may be expected at any moment that is satisfactory so far as it goes thought i friend sholto is safe at any rate i wonder what the fresh clue may be though it seems to be a stereotype form whenever the police have made a blunder i tossed the paper down upon the table but at that moment my eye caught an advertisement in the agony column it ran in this way lost whereas mordecai smith boatman and his son jim left smith's wharf at or about three o'clock last tuesday morning in the steam launch aurora black with two red stripes funnel black with a white band the sum of five pounds will be paid to anyone who can give information to mrs smith at smith's wharf or at 221b baker street as to the whereabouts of the said mordecai smith and the launch aurora this was clearly holmes's doing the baker street address was enough to prove that 
it struck me as rather ingenious because it might be read by the fugitives without their seeing in it more than the natural anxiety of a wife for her missing husband it was a long day every time that a knock came to the door or a sharp step passed in the street i imagined that it was either holmes returning or an answer to his advertisement i tried to read but my thoughts would wander off to our strange quest and to the ill-assorted and villainous pair whom we were pursuing could there be i wondered some radical flaw in my companion's reasoning might he be suffering from some huge self-deception was it not possible that his nimble and speculative mind had built up this wild theory upon faulty premises i had never known him to be wrong and yet the keenest reasoner may occasionally be deceived he was likely i thought to fall into error through the over-refinement of his logic his preference for a subtle and bizarre explanation when a plainer and more commonplace one lay ready to his hand yet on the other hand i had myself seen the evidence and i had heard the reasons for his deductions when i look back on the long chain of curious circumstances many of them trivial in themselves but all tending in the same direction i could not disguise from myself that even if holmes's explanation were incorrect the true theory must be equally outre and startling at three o'clock in the afternoon there was a loud peal at the bell an authoritative voice in the hall and to my surprise no less a person than mr athelney jones was shown up to me very different was he however from the brusque and masterful professor of common sense who had taken over the case so confidently at upper norwood his expression was downcast and his bearing meek and even apologetic good day sir good day said he mr sherlock holmes is out i understand yes and i cannot be sure when he'll be back but perhaps you would care to wait take that chair and try one of these cigars thank you i don't mind if i do said he mopping his face with a red bandana handkerchief and a whisky and soda well half a glass it is very hot for the time of year and i have had a good deal to worry and try me you know my theory about this norwood case i remember that you expressed one well i've been obliged to reconsider it i had my net drawn tightly round mr sholto sir when pop he went through a hole in the middle of it he was able to prove an alibi which could not be shaken from the time that he left his brother's room he was never out of sight of someone or other so it could not be he who climbed over roofs and through trapdoors it's a very dark case and my professional credit is at stake i should be very glad of a little assistance we all need help sometimes said i your friend mr sherlock holmes is a wonderful man sir said he in a husky and confidential voice he's a man who is not to be beat i've known that young man go into a good many cases but i never saw the case yet that he could not throw a light upon he is irregular in his methods and a little quick perhaps in jumping at theories but on the whole i think he would have made a most promising officer and i don't care who knows it i've had a wire from him this morning by which i understand that he has got some clue to this sholto business here is the message he took the telegram out of his pocket and handed it to me it was dated from poplar at twelve o'clock go to baker street at once it said if i have not returned wait for me i am close on the track of the sholto gang 
you can come with us tonight if you want to be in at the finish this sounds well he has evidently picked up the scent again said i oh then he has been at fault too exclaimed jones with evident satisfaction even the best of us are thrown off sometimes of course this may prove to be a false alarm but it is my duty as an officer of the law to allow no chance to slip but there is someone at the door perhaps this is he a heavy step was heard ascending the stair with a great wheezing and rattling as from a man who was sorely put to it for breath once or twice he stopped as though the climb were too much for him but at last he made his way to our door and entered his appearance corresponded to the sounds which we had heard he was an aged man clad in seafaring garb with an old pea jacket buttoned up to his throat his back was bowed his knees were shaky and his breathing was painfully asthmatic as he leaned upon a thick oaken cudgel his shoulders heaved in the effort to draw the air into his lungs he had a colored scarf around his chin and i could see little of his face save a pair of keen dark eyes overhung by bushy white brows and long gray side whiskers altogether he gave me the impression of a respectable master mariner who had fallen into years and poverty what is it my man i asked he looked about him in the slow methodical fashion of old age is mr sherlock holmes here said he no but i'm acting for him you can tell me any message you have for him it was to him himself i was to tell it said he but i tell you that i'm acting for him was it about mordecai smith's boat yes i knows well where he is and i knows where the men he is after are and i knows where the treasure is i knows all about it then tell me and i shall let him know it was to him i was to tell it he repeated with the petulant obstinacy of a very old man well you must wait for him no no i ain't going to lose a whole day to please no one if mr holmes ain't here then mr holmes must find it all out for himself i don't care about the look of either of you and i won't tell a word he shuffled towards the door but athelney jones got in front of him wait a bit my friend said he you have important information and you must not walk off we shall keep you whether you like it or not until our friend returns the old man made a little run towards the door but as athelney jones put his broad back up against it he recognized the uselessness of resistance pretty sore treatment this he cried stamping his stick i come here to see it gentlemen and you two who i never saw in my life seize me and treat me in this fashion you will be none the worse i said we shall recompense you for the loss of your time sit over here on the sofa and you will not have long to wait he came across sullenly enough and seated himself with his face resting on his hands jones and i resumed our cigars and our talk suddenly however holmes's voice broke in upon us i think that you might offer me a cigar too he said we both started in our chairs there was holmes sitting close to us with an air of quiet amusement holmes i exclaimed you here but where's the old man here is the old man said he holding out a heap of white hair 
here he is wig whiskers eyebrows and all i thought my disguise was pretty good but i hardly expected that it would stand that test oh you rogue cried jones highly delighted you would have made an actor and a rare one you had the proper workhouse cough and those weak legs of yours are worth ten pound a week i thought i knew the glint of your eye though you didn't get away from us so easily you see i have been working in that get-up all day said he lighting his cigar you see a good many of the criminal classes begin to know me especially since our friend here took to publishing some of my cases so i can only go on the warpath under some simple disguise like this you got my wire yes that was what brought me here how has your case prospered it has all come to nothing i've had to release two of my prisoners and there is no evidence against the other two never mind we shall give you two others in the place of them but you must put yourself under my orders you are welcome to all the official credit but you must act on the line that i point out is that agreed entirely if you'll help me to the men well then in the first place i shall want a fast police boat a steam launch to be at the westminster stairs at seven o'clock that is easily managed there's always one about there but i can step across the road and telephone to make sure then i shall want two stanch men in case of resistance there will be two or three in the boat what else when we secure the men we shall get the treasure i think that it would be a pleasure to my friend here to take the box round to the young lady to whom half of it rightfully belongs let her be the first to open it eh watson it would be a great pleasure to me rather an irregular proceeding said jones shaking his head however the whole thing is irregular and i suppose we must wink at it the treasure must afterwards be handed over to the authorities until after the official investigation certainly that is easily managed one other point i should much like to have a few details about this matter from the lips of jonathan small himself you know i like to work the detail of my cases out there is no objection to my having an unofficial interview with him either here in my rooms or elsewhere as long as he is efficiently guarded well you're a master of the situation i've had no proof yet of the existence of this jonathan small however if you can catch him i don't see how i can refuse you an interview with him that is understood then perfectly is there anything else only that i insist upon your dining with us it will be ready in half an hour i have oysters and a brace of grouse with something a little choice in white wines watson you have never yet recognized my merits as a housekeeper end of chapter nine chapter ten of the sign of the four by sir arthur conan doyle this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter ten the end of the islander our meal was a merry one holmes could talk exceedingly well when he chose and that night he did choose he appeared to be in a state of nervous exultation i've never known him so brilliant he spoke on a quick succession of subjects on miracle plays on medieval pottery on stradivarius violins on the buddhism of ceylon and on the warships of the future handling each as though he had made a special study of it 
his bright humour marked the reaction from his black depression of the preceding days Athelney jones proved to be a sociable soul in his hours of relaxation and faced his dinner with the air of a bon vivant for myself i felt elated at the thought that we were nearing the end of our task and i caught something of holmes's gaiety none of us alluded during dinner to the cause which had brought us together when the cloth was cleared holmes glanced at his watch and filled up three glasses with port one bumper said he to the success of our little expedition and now it is high time we were off have you a pistol watson i have my old service revolver in my desk you had best take it then it is well to be prepared i see that the cab is at the door i ordered it for half past six it was little past seven before we reached the westminster wharf and found our launch awaiting us holmes eyed it critically is there anything to mark it as a police boat yes that green lamp at the side then take it off the small change was made we stepped on board and the ropes were cast off jones holmes and i sat in the stern there was one man at the rudder one to tend the engines and two burly police inspectors forward where to asked jones to the tower tell them to stop opposite jacobson's yard our craft was evidently a very fast one we shot past the long lines of loaded barges as though they were stationary holmes smiled with satisfaction as we overhauled a river steamer and left her behind us we ought to be able to catch anything on the river he said well hardly that but there are not many launches to beat us we shall have to catch the aurora and she has a name for being a clipper i will tell you how the land lies watson you recollect how annoyed i was at being balked by so small a thing yes well i gave my mind a thorough rest by plunging into a chemical analysis one of our greatest statesmen has said that a change of work is the best rest so it is when i had succeeded in dissolving the hydrocarbon which i was at work at i came back to our problem of the sholtos and thought the whole matter out again my boys have been up the river and down the river without result the launch was not at any landing stage or wharf nor had it returned yet it could hardly have been scuttled to hide their traces though that always remained as a possible hypothesis if all else failed i knew this man small had a certain degree of low cunning but i did not think him capable of anything in the nature of delicate finesse that is usually a product of higher education i then reflected that since he had certainly been in london some time as we had evidence that he maintained a continual watch over pondicherry lodge he could hardly leave at a moment's notice but would need some little time if it were only a day to arrange his affairs that was the balance of probability at any rate it seems to me to be a little weak said i it is more probable that he had arranged his affairs before ever he set out upon his expedition no i hardly think so this lair of his would be too valuable a retreat in case of need for him to give it up until he was sure that he could do without it but a second consideration struck me jonathan small must have felt that the peculiar appearance of his companion however much he may have top-coated him would give rise to gossip and possibly be associated with this norwood tragedy he was quite sharp enough to see that 
they had started from their headquarters under cover of darkness and he would wish to get back before it was broad light now it was past three o'clock according to mrs smith when they got the boat it would be quite bright and people would be about in an hour or so therefore i argued that they did not go very far they paid smith well to hold his tongue reserved his launch for the final escape and hurried to their lodgings with the treasure box in a couple of nights when they had time to see what view the papers took and whether there was any suspicion they would make their way under cover of darkness to some ship at gravesend or in the downs where no doubt they had already arranged for passages to america or the colonies but the launch they could not have taken that to their lodgings quite so i argued that the launch must be no great way off in spite of its invisibility i then put myself in the place of small and looked at it as a man of his capacity would he would probably consider that to send back the launch or to keep it at a wharf would make pursuit easy if the police did happen to get on his track how then could he conceal the launch and yet have her at hand when wanted i wondered what i should do myself if i were in his shoes i could only think of one way of doing it i might land the launch over to some boat builder or repairer with directions to make a trifling change in her she would then be removed to his shed or yard and so be effectually concealed while at the same time i could have her at a few hours notice that seems simple enough it is just these very simple things which are extremely liable to be overlooked however i determined to act on the idea i started at once in this harmless seaman's rig and inquired at all the yards down the river i drew blank at fifteen but at the sixteenth jacobson's i learned that the aurora had been handed over to them two days ago by a wooden-legged man with some trivial directions as to her rudder there ain't naught amiss with her rudder said the foreman there she lies with the red streaks at that moment who should come down but mordecai smith the missing owner he was rather the worse for liquor i should not of course have known him but he bellowed out his name and the name of his launch i want her tonight at eight o'clock said he eight o'clock sharp mind for i have two gentlemen who won't be kept waiting they had evidently paid him well for he was very flush of money chucking shillings about to the men i followed him some distance but he subsided into an alehouse so i went back to the yard and happening to pick up one of my boys on the way i stationed him as a sentry over the launch he is to stand at water's edge and wave his handkerchief to us when they start we shall be lying off in the stream and it will be a strange thing if we do not take men treasure and all you have planned it all very neatly whether they are the right men or not said jones but if the affair were in my hands i should have had a body of police in jacobson's yard and arrested them when they came down which would have been never this man small is a pretty shrewd fellow he would send a scout on ahead and if anything made him suspicious lie snug for another week but you might have stuck to mordecai smith and so been led to their hiding place said i in that case i would have wasted my day i think that it is a hundred to one against smith knowing where they live 
as long as he has liquor and a good pay why should he ask questions they send him messages what to do no i thought every possible course and this is the best while this conversation had been proceeding we had been shooting the long series of bridges which span the thames as we passed the city the last rays of the sun were gilding the cross upon the summit of st paul's it was twilight before we reached the tower that is jacobson's yard said holmes pointing to a bristle of masts and rigging on the surrey side cruise gently up and down here under cover of this string of lighters he took a pair of night glasses from his pocket and gazed some time at the shore i see my sentry at his post he remarked but no sign of a handkerchief suppose we go downstream a short way and lie in wait for them said jones eagerly we were all eager by this time even the policemen and stokers who had a very vague idea of what was going forward we have no right to take anything for granted holmes answered it is certainly ten to one that they go downstream but we cannot be certain from this point we can see the entrance of the yard and they can hardly see us it will be a clear night and plenty of light we must stay where we are see how the folks swarm over yonder in the gaslight they are coming from work in the yard dirty looking rascals but i suppose every one has some little immortal spark concealed about him you would not think it to look at them there is no a priori probability about it a strange enigma is man someone calls him a soul concealed in an animal i suggested winwood reed is good upon the subject said holmes he remarks that while the individual man is an insoluble puzzle in the aggregate he becomes a mathematical certainty you can for example never foretell what any one man will do but you can say with precision what an average number will be up to individuals vary but percentages remain constant so says the statistician but do i see a handkerchief surely there is a white flutter over yonder yes it is your boy i cried i can see him plainly and there is the aurora exclaimed holmes and going like the devil full speed ahead engineer make after that launch with the yellow light by heaven i shall never forgive myself if she proves to have the heels of us she had slipped unseen through the yard entrance and passed behind two or three small craft so that she had fairly got her speed up before we saw her now she was flying down the stream near into the shore going at a tremendous rate jones looked gravely at her and shook his head she's very fast he said i doubt if we shall catch her we must catch her cried holmes between his teeth heap it on stokers make her do all she can if we burn the boat we must have them we were fairly after her now the furnaces roared and the powerful engines whizzed and clanked like a great metallic heart her sharp steep prow cut through the river water and sent two rolling waves to right and to left of us with every throb of the engines we sprang and quivered like a living thing one great yellow lantern in our bows threw a long flickering funnel of light in front of us right ahead a dark blur upon the water showed where the aurora lay and a swirl of white foam behind her spoke of the pace at which she was going we flashed past barges steamers merchant vessels in and out behind this one and round the other voices hailed us out of the darkness but still the aurora thundered on 
and still we followed close upon her track pile it on men pile it on cried holmes looking down into the engine room while the fierce glow from below beat upon his eager aquiline face get every pound of steam you can i think we can gain a little said jones with his eyes on the aurora i'm sure of it said i we shall be up with her in a very few minutes at that moment however as our evil fate would have it a tug with three barges in tow blundered in between us it was only by putting our helm hard down that we avoided a collision and before we could round them and recover our way the aurora had gained a good two hundred yards she was still however well in view and the murky uncertain twilight was setting into a clear starlit night our boilers were strained to their utmost and the frail shell vibrated and creaked with the fierce energy which was driving us along we had shot through the pool past the west india docks down the long deptford reach and up again after rounding the isle of dogs the dull blur in front of us resolved itself now clearly enough into the dainty aurora jones turned our searchlight upon her so that we could plainly see the figures upon her deck one man sat by the stern with something black between his knees over which he stooped beside him lay a dark mass which looked like a newfoundland dog the boy held the tiller while against the red glare of the furnace i could see old smith stripped to the waist and shoveling coals for dear life they may have had some doubt at first as to whether we were really pursuing them but now as we followed every winding and turning which they took there could be no longer any question about it at greenwich we were about three hundred paces behind them at blackwall we could not have been more than two hundred and fifty i have coursed many creatures in many countries during my chequered career but never did sport give me such a wild thrill as this mad flying manhunt down the thames steadily we drew in upon them yard by yard in the silence of the night we could hear the panting and clanking of their machinery the man in the stern still crouched upon the deck and his arms were moving as though he were busy while every now and then he would look up and measure with a glance the distance which still separated us nearer we came and nearer jones yelled to them to stop we were not more than four boats lengths behind them both boats flying at a tremendous pace it was a clear reach of the river with barking level upon one side and the melancholy plumstead marshes upon the other at our hail the man in the stern sprang up from the deck and shook his two clinched fists at us cursing the while in a high cracked voice he was a good-sized powerful man and as he stood poising himself with legs astride i could see that from the thigh downwards there was but a wooden stump upon the right side at the sound of his strident angry cries there was movement in the huddled bundle upon the deck it straightened itself into a little black man the smallest i have ever seen with a great misshapen head and a shock of tangled dishevelled hair holmes had already drawn his revolver and i whipped out mine at the sight of this savage distorted creature he was wrapped in some sort of dark ulster or blanket which left only his face exposed but that face was enough to give a man a sleepless night never have i seen features so deeply marked with all bestiality and cruelty 
his small eyes glowed and burned with a sombre light and his thick lips were writhed back from his teeth which grinned and chattered at us with a half animal fury fire if he raises his hand said holmes quietly we were within a boat's length by this time and almost within touch of our quarry i can see the two of them now as they stood the white man with his legs far apart shrieking out curses and the unhallowed dwarf with his hideous face and his strong yellow teeth gnashing at us in the light of our lantern it was well that we had so clear a view of him even as we looked he plucked out from under his covering a short round piece of wood like a school ruler and clapped it to his lips our pistols rang out together he whirled round threw up his arms and with a kind of choking cough fell sideways into the stream i caught one glimpse of his venomous menacing eyes amid the white swirl of the waters at the same moment the wooden-legged man threw himself upon the rudder and put it hard down so that his boat made straight in for the southern bank while we shot past her stern only clearing her by a few feet we were round after her in an instant but she was already nearly at the bank it was a wild and desolate place where the moon glimmered upon a wide expanse of marshland with pools of stagnant water and beds of decaying vegetation the launch with a dull thud ran up upon the mud-bank with her bow in the air and her stern flush with the water the fugitive sprang out but his stump instantly sank its whole length into the sodden soil in vain he struggled and writhed not one step could he possibly take either forwards or backwards he yelled in impotent rage and kicked frantically into the mud with his other foot but his struggles only bored his wooden pin the deeper into the sticky bank when we brought our launch alongside he was so firmly anchored that it was only by throwing the end of a rope over his shoulders that we were able to haul him out and to drag him like some evil fish over our side the two smiths father and son sat sullenly in their launch but came aboard meekly enough when commanded the aurora herself was hauled off and made fast to our stern a solid iron chest of indian workmanship stood upon the deck this there could be no question was the same that had contained the ill-omened treasure of the sholtos there was no key but it was of considerable weight so we transferred it carefully to our own little cabin as we steamed slowly upstream again we flashed our searchlight in every direction but there was no sign of the islander somewhere in the dark ooze at the bottom of the thames lie the bones of that strange visitor to our shores see here said holmes pointing to the wooden hatchway we were hardly quick enough with our pistols there sure enough just behind where we had been standing stuck one of those murderous darts which we knew so well it must have whizzed between us at the instant that we fired holmes smiled at it and shrugged his shoulders in his easy fashion but i confess that it turned me sick to think of the horrible death which had passed so close to us that night end of chapter 10chapter 11 of the sign of the four by sir arthur conan doyle this librivox recording is in the public domain
Chapter Eleven, The Great Agra Treasure. Our captive sat in the cabin opposite to the iron box which he had done so much and waited so long to gain. He was a sunburned, reckless-eyed fellow with a network of lines and wrinkles all over his mahogany features, which told of a hard, open-air life. There was a singular prominence about his bearded chin, which marked a man who was not to be easily turned from his purpose. His age may have been fifty or thereabouts, for his black curly hair was thickly shot with grey. His face in repose was not an unpleasing one, though his heavy brows and aggressive chin gave him, as I had lately seen, a terrible expression when moved to anger. He sat now with his handcuffed hands upon his lap, and his head sunk upon his breast, while he looked with his keen twinkling eyes at the box which had been the cause of his ill-doings. It seemed to me that there was more sorrow than anger in his rigid and contained countenance. Once he looked up at me with a gleam of something like humour in his eyes. "'Well, Jonathan Small,' said Holmes, lighting a cigar, "'I am sorry that it has come to this.' "'And so am I, sir,' he answered frankly. "'I don't believe that I can swing over the job. "'I give you my word on the book "'that I never raised a hand against Mr. Sholto. "'It was that little hellhound Tonga "'who shot one of his cursed darts into him. "'I had no part in it, sir. "'I was as grieved as if it had been my blood relation.' I welted the little devil with the slack end of the rope for it, but it was done, and I could not undo it again. "'Have a cigar,' said Holmes, "'and you had best take a pull out of my flask, for you're very wet. How could you expect so small and weak a man as this black fellow to overpower Mr. Sholto and hold him while you are climbing the rope?' "'You seem to know as much about it as if you were there, sir. The truth is I hope to find the room clear.' i knew the habits of the house pretty well and it was the time when mr sholto usually went down to his supper i shall make no secret of the business the best defence that i can make is just the simple truth now if it had been the old major i would have swung for him with a light heart i would have thought no more of knifing him than of smoking this cigar but it's cursed hard that i should be lagged over this young sholto with whom i had no quarrel whatever "'You are under the charge of Mr. Athenley Jones of Scotland Yard. "'He is going to bring you up to my rooms, "'and I shall ask you for a true account of the matter. "'You must make a clean breast of it, "'for if you do I hope that I may be of use to you. "'I think I can prove that the poison acts so quickly "'that the man was dead before ever you reached the room.' "'That he was, sir. "'I never got such a turn in my life "'as when I saw him grinning at me with his head on his shoulder.' as i climbed through the window it fairly shook me sir i'd have half killed tonga for it if he had not scrambled off that was how he came to leave his club and some of his darts too as he tells me which i dare say helped to put you on our track though how you kept on it is more than i could tell i don't feel no malice against you for it but it does seem a queer thing he added with a bitter smile that i who have a fair claim to nigh upon half a million of money should spend the first half of my life building a breakwater in the Andamans, and I'm like to spend the other half digging drains at Dartmoor. It was an evil day for me when I first clapped eyes upon the merchant Ahmet, and had to do with the Agra treasure, which never bore anything but a curse yet upon the man who owned it. To him it brought murder, 
to major sholto it brought fear and guilt to me it has meant slavery for life at this moment Athelney jones thrust his broad face and heavy shoulders into the tiny cabin quite a familiar party he remarked i think you shall have a pull at that flask holmes well i think we may all congratulate each other pity we didn't take the other alive but there was no choice i say holmes you must confess to you cut it rather fine it was all we could do to overhaul her all is well that ends well said holmes but i certainly did not know that the aurora was such a clipper smith says she's one of the fastest launches on the river and that if he had another man to help him with the engines we should never have caught her he swears he knew nothing of this norwood business neither did he cried our prisoner not a word i chose his launch because i heard that she was a flyer we told him nothing but we paid him well and he was to get something handsome if we reached our vessel the esmeralda at gravesend outward bound for the brazils well if he's done no wrong we shall see that no wrong comes to him if we are pretty quick in catching our men we are not so quick in condemning them it was amusing to notice how the consequential jones was already beginning to give himself airs on the strength of the capture from the slight smile which played over sherlock holmes's face i could see that the speech had not been lost upon him we will be at vauxhall bridge presently said jones and shall land you dr watson with the treasure box i need hardly tell you that i am taking a very grave responsibility upon myself in doing this it is most irregular but of course an agreement is an agreement i must however as a matter of duty send an inspector with you since you have so valuable a charge you will drive no doubt yes i shall drive it is a pity there is no key that we may make an inventory first you will have to break it open where is the key my man at the bottom of the river said small shortly hm there was no use you giving this unnecessary trouble we have had work enough already through you however doctor i need not warn you to be careful bring the box back with you to the baker street rooms you'll find us there on our way to the station they landed me at vauxhall with my heavy iron box and with a bluff genial inspector as my companion a quarter of an hour's drive brought us to mrs cecil forrester's the servant seemed surprised at so late a visitor mrs cecil forrester was out for the evening she explained and likely to be very late miss morstan however was in the drawing-room so to the drawing-room i went box in hand leaving the obliging inspector in the cab she was seated by the open window dressed in some sort of white diaphanous material with a little touch of scarlet at the neck and waist the soft light of a shaded lamp fell upon her as she leaned back in the basket chair playing over her sweet grave face and tinting with a dull metallic spark the rich coils of her luxuriant hair one white arm and hand drooped over the side of the chair and her whole pose and figure spoke of an absorbing melancholy at the sound of my footfall she sprang to her feet however and a bright flush of surprise and of pleasure colored her pale cheeks 
"'I heard a cab drive up,' she said. "'I thought that Mrs. Forrester had come back very early, "'but I never dreamed that it might be you. "'What news have you brought me?' "'I have brought you something better than news,' said I, "'putting down the box upon the table "'and speaking jovially and boisterously, "'though my heart was heavy within me. "'I have brought you something which is worth all the news in the world. "'I have brought you a fortune.' "'She glanced at the iron box.' "'Is that the treasure, then?' she asked coolly enough. "'Yes, this is the great Agra treasure. "'Half of it is yours, and half is Thaddeus Sholto's. "'You will have a couple of hundred thousand each. "'Think of that, an annuity of ten thousand pounds. "'There will be few richer young ladies in England. "'Is it not glorious?' "'I think that I must have been rather overacting my delight, "'and that she detected a hollow ring in my congratulations.' for I saw her eyebrows rise a little, and she glanced at me curiously. "'If I have it,' she said, "'I owe it to you.' "'No, no,' I answered, "'not to me, but to my friend Sherlock Holmes. With all the will in the world I could never have followed up a clue which has taxed even his analytical genius. As it was, we very nearly lost it at the last moment.' "'Pray sit down and tell me all about it, Dr. Watson,' said she. I narrated briefly what had occurred since I had seen her last. Holmes's new method of search, the discovery of the Aurora, the appearance of Athelney Jones, our expedition in the evening, and the wild chase down the Thames. She listened with parted lips and shining eyes to my recital of our adventures. When I spoke of the dart which had so narrowly missed us, she turned so white that I feared that she was about to faint. "'It is nothing,' she said, as I hastened to pour her out some water. "'I am all right again. It was a shock to me to hear that I had placed my friends in such horrible peril.' "'That is all over,' I answered. "'It was nothing. I will tell you no more gloomy details. Let us turn to something brighter. There is the treasure.' what could be brighter than that i got leave to bring it with me thinking that it would interest you to be the first to see it it would be of the greatest interest to me she said there was no eagerness in her voice however it had struck her doubtless that it might seem ungracious upon her part to be indifferent to a prize which had cost so much to win what a pretty box she said stooping over it this is indian work i suppose yes it is benares metalwork and so heavy she exclaimed trying to raise it the box alone must be of some value where is the key small threw it into the thames i answered i must borrow mrs forrester's poker there was in the front a thick and broad hasp wrought in the image of a sitting budder under this I thrust the end of the poker and twisted it outward as a lever. The hasp sprang open with a loud snap. With trembling fingers I flung back the lid. We both stood gazing in astonishment. The box was empty. No wonder that it was heavy. The ironwork was two-thirds of an inch thick all round. It was massive, well-made and solid, like a chest constructed to carry things of great price. But not one shred or crumb of metal or jewellery lay within it. 
it was absolutely and completely empty the treasure is lost said miss morstan calmly as i listened to the words and realized what they meant a great shadow seemed to pass from my soul i did not know how this agra treasure had weighed me down until now that it was finally removed it was selfish no doubt disloyal wrong but i could realize nothing save that the golden barrier was gone from between us thank god i ejaculated from my very heart she looked at me with a quick questioning smile why do you say that she asked because you are within my reach again i said taking her hand she did not withdraw it because i love you mary as truly as ever a man loved a woman because this treasure these riches sealed my lips now that they are gone i can tell you how i love you that is why i said thank god then i say thank god too she whispered as i drew her to my side whoever had lost a treasure i knew that night that i had gained one end of chapter 11 everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.